The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. My guest today is going to make the case for the COVID vaccines. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today, friends, on The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. January 1st of this year, we started the new year with an interview that I did with Dr. Frank Schallenberger, highly respected in his profession, and he had grave concerns about the COVID vaccines that were available and raised some strong warnings about going ahead and getting the vaccine. That's the one and only interview we did on this, and it was from someone presenting a negative perspective. Today, I'm going to speak with Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, PhD in chemistry, young earth creationist scholar, and a strong, strong believer in the authority of scripture along with us. And he is going to make the case for the COVID vaccines. My role here is to raise some questions that have been submitted to me by others and to take your calls to allow you to ask Dr. Sarfati questions, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. My role here is not to advocate either position because I am not qualified to do so, which is why when people ask me for advice about the vaccines, I tell them, do the research, ask God for wisdom, and make an informed decision. And then, of course, above all, do everything you can to live a healthy lifestyle. So without further ado, I want to bring on Dr. Sarfati. He's got great credentials. He's a brilliant man, former New Zealand chess champion. And as I said, respected young earth creation scholar. I've often used his commentary on Genesis from a young earth perspective. Uh, But again, PhD in chemistry gives him relevant background in this field as well. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for... All right, we, we lost him already. That's not conspiratorial. I don't know what happened, um, but we lost him already. So, guys, let's, uh, let's, let's reconnect there, all right? Uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, let me, let me say this. I saw two headlines yesterday. One, that the fifth conservative radio host who is anti-COVID vaccine has now passed away of COVID, Bob Enyart. I was on his show in the past, so that struck closer to home in terms of that's, that's someone that I knew at least on the radio. And then an Israeli activist, anti-vax activist, has just died of COVID, and his brother's saying it was unnecessary. We see these reports all the time. At the same time, we have the mandate taking place. We, we, we have that legal issue. That's what we discussed earlier in the week. Uh, talking about the legal issues, talking about the pushback against the mandate. So we'll, we'll get Dr. Sarfati's view as well about that in terms of his views on mandates and then specifically why he is pro-vaccine. And if you, if you have a question, if you have an issue, if you are concerned about the vaccine or against the vaccine, separated from the mandate issue, separated from the legality or lack thereof of the mandate issue, just the vaccine itself, Dr. Sarfati is very happy to take your questions. He does not shy from controversy. All right, let's try again. Dr. Sarfati, you're there. Lost again. 
this is this is remarkable. <laughs> Friends, we're not playing games here. This was not the big setup. Uh, and Dr. Sarfati, if you're listening somehow and getting disconnected, our number is 866-348-7884. 866-348-7884. He's been on holding as we're getting ready to introduce the show. I've been looking at my board. Uh, so we will we will sort this out and uh, get to Dr. Sarfati. But on the one hand, you see these... Uh, you see these headlines, and they're very concerning. They're, they're gravely concerning, and they can strike fear in your heart. Oh, no. If I don't get vaccinated, I'm going to die. Then you have others saying, if you are otherwise healthy and don't have any other health-related conditions, especially if you're younger, it's the last thing you need to worry about. And why the fear and, and why the government crackdown and lockdown and shutdown and, and so on and so forth. So there are a lot of questions people have. My big issue, personally, as someone who does not have a medical background, I'm Dr. Brown, yes, a PhD in Near Eastern Languages and Literatures. Yes, my, my doctoral dissertation was written on the Hebrew word for healing, but, but I've got a biblical background in the subject of healing, but not a medical background. And because I have spoken to people on both sides, scientists, doctors, highly educated people, on both sides of the issue, and they have raised concern, some pro-vaccine, some against. I don't have the ability to sort these things out. I don't have the time to devote hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to really mastering the science and understanding what's involved and coming to an educated conclusion. And I've seen persuasive arguments both ways, and they're persuasive to me because I don't have the ability to sort them out. Hence, my discouraging you from looking to me for guidance here, where I can give you guidance, I give it. All right, let us try. Number three, uh, Dr. Sarfati, are you there? Yes, I'm lucky, hopefully, God God willing. All right, you you are here, sir. Hey, tell you what, uh, since we've taken a few minutes with me setting things up while we were waiting to get you on the phone, we've got five or six minutes before our first break. Why don't you just make your basic case now? Just put out your strongest pro-vaccine arguments. We'll unpack these. We'll raise questions. But let me turn things straight over to you. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Brown. Now, first of all, we've got to compare the vaccine not with the Garden of Eden, but with the real world where we have a very dangerous virus. And um, the virus is killing about 2% of people who get sick will die from this virus. And about 33% of the of the survivors will have long haul. They'll be ill for months with brain fog, fatigue, muscle ache, loss of sense of smell. So it's a very serious illness. And it's not to be underestimated because this virus will infect the cell and force the cell, every infected cell to make a thousand new viruses. All of these viruses have lots of RNA and they're covered with spike proteins. And you see this process will be repeated. So second cycle... Uh, a thousand new cells infected and a million new viruses produced. And a peak infection will have about a, a thousand million, a thousand billion um, viruses in your system. And it starts off in your lungs, which are right, right next to your heart and your major blood vessels. Now, what the virus, the vaccine will do, the, the RNA vaccine does, it's uh, injected into your shoulder muscle, far away from any major blood vessels. And the RNA is the only a small part of the virus is a code for the spike protein, but it's a modified version that will only 
stay in the cell membrane and it's not able to do any damage to other cells. So the cell produces a spike protein and the immune system recognizes that and says, this is a foreign invader, I'm going to neutralize and I'm going to destroy that and keep a note of that. So you've got cells called B cells which will keep a memory of the of the spike protein. So if the virus invades, you've got your immune system ready to go to destroy the virus before it can multiply and cause you serious illness. So uh, the vaccine is, is demonstrably successful in preventing very serious diseases and death. So now we see that 97% of hospital cases are unvaccinated, as are about 95, 99.5% of uh, de- deaths from the virus are unvaccinated people. And uh, vaccinated people are far less infectious as well. They're, they're far less likely to get any sort of sickness, but most importantly, not they're far less likely to die from the, from the virus. So it really does work. It works both on theoretical ground, but now we've um, been tested on about 200 million people in America have been vaccinated very safely. So it's, it's time to stop calling this thing experimental. It's, it's a well-known technology, and it's been very well shown to, to be very safe and very effective, unlike the virus, which is very dangerous. That, that should be a summary of the position, and I can explain more when people ask me questions about it. All right, so let me, let me start here, and, and thanks for being so, so concise and, and clear in terms of laying things out. Uh, what are your views on, on the mandate be it the extreme situation, say, in Australia or what mm. President Biden is pushing for in America. What, what are your views on that? Well, I don't think the uh, president, as the head of executive branch, has a right to, to make mandates that are, are nationwide. I think he's exceeding his authority in doing that. Now, I think the Australian uh, case is highly overreacted. Now, I come from Australia, as you can probably tell. Uh, I think they've highly overreacted. I think their, their measures are much worse than the disease and, and in the sense they're locking down, they, they see one case in the whole country is, is locked down, uh, even regardless of whether you've been vaccinated or not. So I think uh, why bother getting vaccinated if you're going to be locked down regardless? I think Australia has been very counterproductive and quite draconian. And then, then of course, the inconsistencies where churches are shut down, but casinos, abortion clinics, uh, liquor stores, pot shops are all allowed to be open. So there's selective... Um, enforcement or church services are, are spreaders, but then you allow these mass protests uh, that are uh, thousands of people. So uh, why are church services being singled out for locking down? There's something very inconsistent about that. See, I'm not defending a lot of government mandates here. I'm just saying that the vaccine is a um, thousand times safer than catching the virus. That's why right. my position. Got it. And, and the reason I asked that was because immediately if they hear that you're pro-vaccine, they might think you're pro-mandate. So I wanted to make sure people separated those issues and knew where you were coming from on that. And as I've noticed, you're often retweeting things I'm putting out in terms of moral and cultural issues. So we, we, we stand very, very much on similar ground there. All right, just quickly before our first break, and then we'll expand things more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take calls, and I've got a bunch of printed questions for you. When you mentioned, you said very safe at least a couple of times, what about all the accounts of, of young people? And again, I'm, I'm simply raising questions, not trying to defend the position. But uh, lots of young people, teenagers who are having heart issues afterwards, myocarditis or whatever it is, uh, would they say that it's very safe? 
Well, yes, because uh, first of all, you've got to compare with the total number of people being vaccinated. When you hear thousands of, of cases um, getting certain conditions, this is out of 100 million people being vaccinated. So you've got the case, which is about 0.005% of cases. Now, specifically to the myocarditis issue, once again, um, the virus is far more likely to produce myocarditis and blood clots and also much more seriously. I mean, I'm not saying any sort of myocarditis is not serious, but the vaccine is, is both less likely and uh, less severe form of myocarditis than the, than the viruses. So if you want to prevent myocarditis, the best way is, in fact, to get the vaccine and not catch the virus. Got it. All, it. all right. Stay, stay right here. I, I appreciate the condensed answers for our radio time here. If you'd like to raise a question to Dr. Sarfati, if you feel you want to challenge his position or you just honestly have questions, 866-348-7884. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, my guest today, Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, young earth creationist, biblical scholar. You can go to creation.com to read his writings and those of his team. And he's also a PhD in chemistry. 866-34-TRUTH, our phone lines are already jammed, and I want to get to as many calls as I can for our guest. Uh, Dr. Sarfati, let me, let me start here with a question that was sent in to me. In March of 2021, CDC found that 78% of people hospitalized for COVID were overweight or obese. In 2020, the CDC found that most people dying from COVID had at least one pre-existing condition. I want to focus on general health, exercising, healthy eating, etc., instead of mass distribution of a vaccine. What's your response to that, sir? Well, okay, so um, are we supposed to let obese or, or diabetic or hypertensive people die in the meantime? These conditions are not going to be fixed overnight. And meanwhile, we have a vaccine that's very safe and that will actually protect these guys from, from the disease. Now, you see, an obese person, okay, it's unhealthy. I agree with that. But uh, they could be expected to live for decades with that condition were it not for a virus that will knock them over. Same with diabetics. They're managing their condition with insulin, um, hypertensives with the blood pressure medication and possibly with diet as well. But while this is going on, they have to be protected right now because of the virus right now that could kill them or make them very, very ill. All right. W would you agree, though, that that the medical profession or scientific whoever government should be encouraging larger health issues in general in other words um, that that yeah go ahead well i think they are in anyway i think you'll find most doctors would actually like the uh, people to get onto a healthy weight they'll weigh you they take your blood pressure all the time uh, they will hopefully um warn you if you've got um high, too high a blood sugar uh, blood sugar so you're diabetic so they i think they are actually doing that anyway but what do we do in the meantime? Obesity can't be cured overnight. Uh, diabetes is not curable. It's only manageable. Uh, often essential hypertension is only manageable. Uh, so what do we do to protect these guys in right. the meantime? It's yeah, thing, uh, of course, right. That's yeah. point well taken. Of course, type 2 diabetes can often be reversed with, with a radical lifestyle change. But right. type, yep. type 1, of course, can't be. But no. it, So then the argument, the follow-up argument would be, okay, well, then why not push for vaccination 
for the for the people who are higher risk, the elderly and those with other conditions, the obese, the diabetic, etc., as opposed to pushing to vaccinate everybody when the vast majority of people dying are, are in those other categories? Well, you'd be surprised about how many people who are not in those categories are dying. And also sometimes people don't know they are in their categories. There are probably a lot of people who have diabetes and hypertension without even knowing it. I mean, my, my optometrist even said he has seen very diabetic people by looking at their eyes and seeing their blood vessels, and they didn't have, know that they were severely diabetic. So you wonder how many other people are like that, and they'd be very vulnerable. And after all, people, um, governments have been prioritising getting back to, into the elderly first and the vulnerable people first. So that's actually been done already. But then we know of, of um, athletic people who are also getting very, very sick from this, this virus. Uh, uh, a friend of mine has a, um, knows a, a, another woman whose daughter, teenage daughter was a track athlete but still is suffering from the long COVID. She's got the um, illness and still can't shake it off. So it, it is affecting so-called healthy people. Now we've seen kids now being inf- infected by it. All right, let's, uh, let's go to some calls. And again, friends, my position here is to raise questions just as I did for Dr. Schallenberger, who was against the vaccines or raise serious concerns about them. If you're looking to me, to friends, to, to be the one that's going to present the amazing anti-vax position, I'm, I'm simply here to be a neutral moderator and, and to, give, to give everyone the opportunity to hear from Dr. Sarfati and raise their questions. So let's, let's start with some calls. We go to David in Raleigh, North Carolina. What's your question for Dr. Sarfati? Yeah, thank you for taking my call, Dr. Brown. My question is about the vaccines themselves. Is there one any more effective than the other? And um, does he have any uh, guidance that for someone not sure what which one to get? Got it. All right. Go ahead, sir. Okay. I'd say the, the vaccine to get is whatever is available in your area. I don't think I'd want to wait for another vaccine to be available. I get whatever is available. Now, I have got the Moderna shot myself. I got that over uh, four months ago. That's one of the RNA vaccines. The Pfizer vaccine also is a very effective one. But even the Johnson Johnson one is pretty effective and you only need one dose. I think any of the major ones available, I'd take them. All right. In, in that regard, Dr. Sarfati, is, is there any connection with any of the vaccines to aborted fetuses in, in the research and the development? Is that for some, all, none? What's your take on that? Well, okay, I mean, we're talking about a baby who was aborted in Holland uh, 50 years ago. Uh, we're not sure whether it's aborted or a miscarried one because abortion was illegal in the Netherlands uh, in 1973. Another thing is, you know, no aborted baby tissue is in any of the vaccines. What we've got is a fetal cell line. Now, I don't approve of abortion. I'm totally pro-life. I don't support abortion even for rape or incest exceptions, all right? So uh, I'm 100% pro-life. Now, the point is, um, a lot of the leading ethicists in the world, whether it's Catholic or the Baptist or the Reform perspective, they say that you are, it's a pro-life position to use uh, the vaccines even if they have a connection to this remote abortion 50 years ago because you're not encouraging more abortions for vaccines and you're not uh, going to bring the baby back if you uh, refuse the vaccine okay so that um like for instance if you take a, uh, an organ from a murder victim i don't think you're doing anything wrong as long as you weren't involved in the murder okay um i think you can take it without condoning the murder man. For instance, hydroxychloroquine has connection to the Nazis. It was developed in, like, chloroquine was developed in Dachau, 
with experiments on prisoners forcibly infected with malaria. And it was made by I.G. Farben that made the Zuclon Bay uh, cyanide tablets used for genocide in the Holocaust. So if you want to go down that line, you really not, should not take hydroxychloroquine either, okay? Got it. So, All right. But the thing is, the RNA vaccines were not made using these. There was an initial test using these these uh, cell lines, but RNA vaccines don't need any cells to manufacture. So the, the connection stopped at the test. Now we've, we've got the test and it's passed. There's no more need for any testing with RNA vaccines. And um, by the way, most of your medicine cabinet was actually tested on the same uh, fetal cell line as the RNA vaccines were. So you need to throw out your whole medicine cabinet if you want to argue down those lines and be consistent about it all right let's uh let's take another call from uh, emily in california maryland welcome to the line of fire thanks so much um that was a really good point you just made because my question was related to um you know the the notion that these were made from aborted fetus cells I had a kind of a two-part question initially, but like the flu vaccines that um, use, I guess, dead or dormant flu virus, um, you know, is there any any relation to that being, um, you, you know, using aborted fetus cells as well? So like in the future, if they come up with a different method, not using the mRNA um and, you know, are able to inject people with a dormant or dead COVID virus in the future, is that at all linked to aborted fetus cells? Well, no, see, chicken, the, the traditional flu shot was actually cultured on chicken embryos. So there's a totally, the flu shots are totally ethical. There's no connection whatsoever with the, with the uh, aborted baby cell lines. And the modern flu shots are made with um, uh, dog, um, embryonic dog kidney cells. So again, no connection with unborn babies. And things like the DTaP. I mean, none of the bacterial disease vaccines have any connection uh, with the sort of people on cell lines. Then some viral vaccines um, that have that connection, like MMR, but the new RNA vaccines don't need to have any connection anymore. We know the process works. Uh, and RNA isn't made using cells of any sort. You have a polymerase reaction, as well. it's made in a chemistry lab as well, how RNA. So I think RNA vaccines are the future for totally ethical vaccines, which will also be extremely effective. All right, Emily, thanks for the question. Yes. Uh, Dr. Sarfati, uh, let me read another question that was, that was sent in. Mm -hmm. um, why are there so many pro-vaccine scientists worried that this set of particular vaccines is dangerous. What would they have to gain in coming out in opposition to these vaccines? Many are concerned about the new technology and the rushed development. Well, actually, the, the technology isn't as new as you think. I mean, RNA vaccine technology has been worked on for some time. So in fact, the very promising new uh, flu vaccine, which should be universal, we wouldn't have to keep on having a booster every year. Uh, so this has been going on for some years now. And even clinical human trials, there have been animal trials with these, these RNA flu vaccines and also clinical human trials began, but then the pandemic hit. So this technology was basically redirected towards the corona uh, spike protein. So it's actually not as new as you think. And as far as rushing, I think President Trump deserves praise for Operation Warp Speed, which cut the red tape and not the safety, but the red tape that usually delays life-saving life medicines for years. I mean... 
is a history in this country of of people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying while we wait for the FDA bureaucrats to approve a life-saving medicine like beta blockers for um, secondary heart attacks, aspirin to prevent blood clots. The FDA held it up for years and people died while waiting. So there is a cost to delaying. And, and the Operation Warp Speed um, chopped all that red tape out so we can get a vaccine quickly and stop people dying. I mean, about 600 and 50 Americans have died of this, this disease already. So how many more hundreds of thousands of deaths are acceptable while we wait for a, a, the usual long-winded approval procedure? All right, so tell you what, we come back, we've, we've got a short break. I just want to revisit the question of, in that light, why do you think that scientists and others, doctors who are pro-vaccine, are still raising concerns? In other words, what, what would they have to gain from this? It almost discredits them. In these days. And by the way, philosophically, I was thrilled that things went through so quickly in terms of passing the red tape. And I was rooting for President Trump then to get it right. Just medically, I don't have the expertise to comment either way. All right, friends, everybody on hold. We will do our best to get to every single call. Stay right here. Hey, friends, this is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, we've been on the air 13 years daily, five days a week. We've never worked with a sponsor until now. Meet Dr. Mark Stengler, my personal friend, a lover of Jesus, voted doctor of the decade, and his health supplements are second to none. When you go to vitaminmission.com, you'll see a special code to put in. You get 10% off your orders, and a donation is made to our ministry with each order. Vitaminmission.com. This is Carter Conlon. Psalm 56 and verse 3 says these words, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. You know, there's so much to be afraid of today. The list is long, but you and I both know what it is. Now, you're not a deficient person because you struggle with fear. Even the great Apostle Paul wrote of a time in his own life when he said, We were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. However, Paul stayed close to God in prayer, and he trusted the promises of God, which he believed could not fail. And he was right. He made it through, and you will make it through your time of fear as well. Listen to me very carefully today. You will make it through. You will not be overpowered. This is Carter Conlon. Remember, my brother, my sister, it's time to pray. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire. The beginning of this year, I did an interview with Dr. Frank Schallenberger, who raised his serious questions against the vaccines, the efficacy or the wisdom of them, or long-term side effects, other issues. He had serious concerns we let him share those concerns and, and in fact, devoted the whole broadcast to that. It was a pre-recorded broadcast, so we didn't even have calls to respond to. I raised questions as I knew to raise. Today, we have on Dr. Jonathan Sarfati. This is only the second show where we're giving different positions on the vaccine because I've made clear I don't have the, the expertise to give a comment worth your time. 
all right, where I can weigh in on subjects I do day and night, where, where, I, where I can't, especially life and death issues, I'm not going to. So Dr. Sarfati, Young Earth creationist, PhD in chemistry, and a supporter, proponent of the vaccines, but with serious concerns about the mandates. So don't confuse the mandates with the vaccines themselves. So Dr. Sarfati, just some pushback as I'm looking at comments to a, a previous question that I had raised right before the break. One, the, the pro-vaccine scientists or doctors who say, hey, we're all for vaccines, but we just have concerns about this. What, why would they be doing this? In other words, it, it's almost discrediting them in the process. Uh, and then the other is, when you mention MRI and uh, the, uh, I'm just mispronouncing it, the, um, the current vaccine technology has been used. It's, it, it's not as rushed as we think. Some are saying, yeah, but it, it's only been used recently in humans and, and there have been dangers with animals. So back to you. Well, in fact, uh, the animal trials show that the, uh, the RNA flu vaccine was extremely safe for, for mice and other animals and very effective at preventing the, the flu. So it actually has been proven safe. But uh, also the, the RNA vaccines did have uh, clinical trials a year ago and there was no shortage of volunteers this time because the pandemic was raised. And so we had about over 70,000 volunteers in a properly controlled clinical style a trial a year ago. So um, the vaccines have already been administered. So if there were, there were lots of serious side effects, we were seeing them by now by the very nature of vaccines. And now we've got some 200 million Americans have been vaccinated mostly by these RNA vaccines. So if it was really unsafe, where are all these, these you know, the millions of deaths? We'd, we'd see. If it was 1% unsafe, we'd see 2 million uh, deaths of this vaccine by now, but we're not. We've, we've seen in the range of a, a few thousand reported deaths, not proven deaths, but a few thousand reported deaths, and that's about 0.005% of the number of people vaccinated. I think it's time to stop all of this experimental. All right. Um, question posted here. The mRNA vaccines use a pelagated lipid nanoparticle coating that has been shown to cause autoimmune diseases regardless of the safety of the mRNA tech itself. What other dangers are posed by the vaccine ingredients themselves? Well, okay, but again, if, if it was as dangerous as you think, then it would have been shown up in the clinical trials as well as the 200 million people vaccinated. Uh, and then I also want to say compared to what? Because the virus, everything you hear from the, the vaccine, you should hear a thousand times more from the virus. Uh, the virus can cause autoimmune reaction. That's one of the big problems with it because uh, the, it causes the immune system to overreact. Uh, it's what's called a cytokine storm, and often that's the actual... Um, immediate cause of death, but it's caught. The cytokine storm is caused by the virus, but it's the overreaction of the immune system that's actually become that's actually very dangerous. So uh, you worry far more about the virus than anything about the vaccine, because the vaccine doesn't reproduce. Um, the ingredients are so unstable. If they're not processed, your body will be getting rid of them very, very quickly in, in, in a few weeks. Now, viruses can linger in your system for a long time because, you know, if you've had chicken pox, you could have shingles um, decades later because the virus has been hiding in your nerve cells for decades and then it flares up in shingles. The the, the, all the space of the vaccine in a few uh, weeks is going to be your immune system memory. Nothing else is going to be remaining. Got it. And, and the, the question of... There could be long-term developments that we simply don't know about yet. So why in the world would you want to 
vaccinate, say, healthy 15-year-olds or 20-year-olds or, you know, people that are so far, you know, when we're talking percentages, right? Like I could say, well, I heard about somebody that burned in their car when the seatbelt wouldn't come out and they crashed. And you say, yeah, but for everyone saved by seatbelts, the numbers, so that's the argument you're making, you know, the comparison. But why, why, why encourage everyone to get vaccinated? If there might be some other issues, why not just encourage the you know, again, because percentages, it seems that those who are younger or healthy, mm-hmm. those cases are, are, are infinitesimally smaller than the others. You know, so that's a common yeah. argument that's raised. Okay, but you see, as Christians, not just thinking about ourselves, we should be esteeming other people as higher than ourselves. Now, uh, um, the, the, the vaccine is claimed to be 95% effective. I think it's actually more than that. But, okay, supposing it's 95% effective, that means five people it's not going to work on. Uh, that means to protect those people who are immunocompromised or whatever, we need to stop the virus getting to these people, which means that other people should be vaccinated so they provide a protective wall so the virus doesn't get through to the vulnerable people. So you, you're doing it not just for yourself, but you're doing it for other people who are around you. Got it. And that's why uh, so that's a, a good reason to be protected. Like I would not want to be responsible for introducing the virus to my uh, parents who are in their 80s. Got it, and and by right, and and by the way, I I I'm tempted, you know, because I've heard so many questions and issues have come up. My wife and I have talked, and others have talked. Mm. I I I'm guilty right now of starting to raise a lot of things that are in my head, but I want to give place to others. So let me let me not respond with my follow up questions and go back to the phone. So uh, Ryan in Dayton, Ohio, you're on with Dr. Sarfati. Go ahead, please. Thank you for uh, taking my call. so my question is: Is uh, I had I had read about the vaccines that their effectiveness, their efficacy rate is in the high 90s, mid to high mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. Um, but what raised the question to me was um, what what it was effective at, and it said it was effective at the prevention. Uh, Ryan, are you there? It sounds like we just lost Ryan. Hope we didn't just lose our whole connection there, uh, Doctor Serfati. You still there? I'm still here. Yes. I okay. Mean, the thing is, even if it doesn't always protect against infection, it will protect against severe infection to the point of hospitalization and death. I mean, that's like the flu shot. The flu shot was actually far less effective than the, these uh, corona vaccines because the flu people would often have a breakthrough infection, but very rarely would they get hospitalized or die from it. So. But the, the, the current vaccines are much more effective than the flu vaccines that we've been having um, for, for years. So is, is, there, is there a scenario, and again, I'm speaking with medical ignorance here, where there are no immediate signs of danger, but long-term something could theoretically develop or something has changed in the DNA? I mean, that's a common concern. That, okay, that... Now, the thing is, um, the, the genetic system works. It goes DNA to RNA to proteins. It doesn't go RNA to DNA. And see, what the RNA vaccine goes directly to protein. It's made by a machine in your cell called the ribosome, and it makes the spike proteins. Your genes are in your DNA inside your nucleus, and the RNA vaccine doesn't get to your nucleus. So there's no way it's going to affect your, your DNA. And in fact, if this was a thing, again, you'd fear it a thousand times more from the virus than from the vaccine. Got That's it. That's a long-term side effect. 
that is more of an issue if you have long-term usage. You see, we worry about side of long-term side effects from drugs because you're taking them every day and little things can build up over time or the body can develop tolerance or dependency on it. It's not really such an issue for a one-off or two-off vaccine. It's really a different. It's apples and oranges in a big way. And also, do we really know all the long-term effects of these viruses? I think we know a lot of short-term and medium-term, which are very bad. But I think we're still not uh, finished with it. I think there's still going to be some longer-term effects years to come from, from getting a virus. Right. It's not going to be the issue from the, from the vaccine. What it does, what those chickpox vaccine the virus does, hides um, dormant for a while, then flares up again in, in a few decades. All right. Yeah, and, and again, friends, these are. Uh, I encourage you to listen to the arguments, to, to do research, and to not just dismiss something out of hand. This is, it's too big an issue to do that uh, on either side. Uh, I think we reconnected with Ryan. So the end of your question, sir, go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize about that. Um, so my question real quick was that um, what I had read was the vaccine was in the high 90s, mid to high 90s for efficacy. But what raised my question was it said it was, it was 95 or plus uh, percentage effective at preventing systematic COVID-19. So my question is, um, are, I'm assuming you're still able to contract COVID, which would make it, you know, asymptomatic if you did get it. But my question would be, um, can you still spread it even if you are asymptomatic and you have been vaccinated? Well, again, this, because your, your body's killing the virus, uh, you're, it's trained to kill the virus. Even if you get uh, the virus colonized in the nasal passages, now, there have been some tests which claim that the vaccinated people have as much virus in their nose as, as the unvaccinated, but then uh, a few uh, measure that over a few days, and the vaccinated people, the antibodies are killing the germs uh, in their nose really quickly, so the, the viral load goes right down really quickly for vaccinated people, but lingers in the unvaccinated. So definitely... Um, um, unvaccinated people are far more likely to spread the disease than the vaccinated people are. So it is very good at preventing infection and um, and, and spreading. All right. Uh, let's go to David in Israel uh, so we can at least get your question in. We'll see if Dr. Sarfati has time to respond before or after the break. Go ahead, sir. Hi. Um, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I have reservations regarding efficacy of this vaccine. And I have twofold questions. First is efficacy. Another one, uh, there, there are, at least there are doctors, and Dr. Brown had a doctor who said that, as a guest, who said there are protocols to treat this disease, as it is now more known. So um, living in Israel, uh, the government here had a privilege to execute this plan of vaccinating people. And Israel became the highly vaccinated country. Now, we are in a third wave, and uh, being highly vaccinated, the wave is overwhelming. Many people dying, uh, up to 50% are vaccinated. So it's like 45%. And this data is available on, on the website of Health Ministry. It's, it's not uh, some uh, theory you can access. It's in Hebrew, though. So uh, my question is, according to Prime Minister Bennett, who said uh, that the vaccinated double jab uh, um, people are the high risk, what do you say to that? And a, a second question was to do with the treatment of um, the COVID in, in general, because then... Um, All right, David, t tell you what, stay right there. Uh, let's get a response to your first question from Dr. Sarfati. When we come back, 
Uh, others on hold, Andy, Sean, Terry, going to try to get to you. And I've got a follow-up that's been sent in about treatment as well. Be right back. John Elmore had made a complete mess of his life, and in his lowest moment, he cried out to God. And I thought my life was over. And God is like, no, give me your divorce. Give me your alcoholism. Give me it all. We'll hear about the path to freedom from addiction this week on Family Life Today with Dave and Ann Wilson. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. My friends, on a totally separate note, I encourage you to go to vitaminmission.com. This is not talking about preventing COVID. This is a totally separate note. I encourage you to check out vitaminmission.com for healthy life supplements I've been taking for years, and we're now in partnership with Dr. Stengler and his company. So check it out. I think you'll be blessed with what you get there, vitaminmission.com. Oh, about a little less than 30 minutes from now, so 4.15 Eastern time, I'm going to be back on YouTube just for our weekly exclusive YouTube chat. So I'm not the one to send COVID questions to, but we'll be talking about all kinds of other things that asked Dr. Brown on YouTube. Uh, all right, so Dr. Sarfati, back to you. The, the data from Israel uh, does say that it's been a highly vaccinated country, and now many of the cases of sickness, disease, even death are with people who've been fully vaccinated. So how do you respond to David's concern in Israel? Okay, there are a couple. Of, there are two uh, main statistical fallacies uh, that people use uh, with this Israeli data. One is called the base rate fallacy. To give you an example, um, supposing there are twenty percent of um, car accidents are caused by drunk drivers, okay, eighty percent are caused by sober drivers. Therefore, it's four times safer to drive drunk than to drive sober. Now that's a fallacy, right? The reason is because you've got far fewer drunk drivers than sober drivers. Therefore, the percentage of, of accidents among drunk drivers is much higher than the percentage of accidents among sober drivers because you've got a much lower baseline for the drunk drivers. And this is what you're doing with the Israel data because you've got um, five times or so, four or five times more people vaccinated than unvaccinated. So you've got to scale the... Uh, the death according to the total numbers of both the vaccinated and vaccinated. You've got to do a number of uh, hospital cases that are vaccinated divided by the total number of vaccinated people and then do the same uh, total number of hospital cases among unvaccinated people divided by total number of unvaccinated people. So we need to take that scale into account to find that it's still far safer to be vaccinated than to be unvaccinated. And the other issue is called Simpson's Paradox. Now, uh, what you do there is if you aggregate the data and have a look only at one thing, you can get a misleading impression when there are other variables, like being old means you're both more susceptible to the virus, but also more likely to be vaccinated. So what they found when they, they separated the Israel data according to age groups, when you separate the age groups out, you find in every age group, 
the vaccine is extremely effective at preventing hospitalization and death. But when you aggregate the old and the young, it looks like you've got a lot of um, vaccinated people getting ill. But it's because most of those people are old and therefore more intrinsically vulnerable to being to the virus as well as being more likely to be vaccinated. So at every age group, uh, the vaccine efficiency is close to 90%. But when right. you aggregate them, you get this paradox where it looks like the vaccine is not as effective as it really is. So symptoms right. paradox is what you call that. All right. And David, the second part of your question was? It was to do with treatment. Uh, I remember there was a guest uh, on your show, a doctor, who back in January, I think it was, uh, that he said... Uh, he was cautious about the efficacy of this vaccine. He said there is enough knowledge to treat this disease. We know more now than a year ago. And he proposed that he has a practice. And he said, we have a protocol to deal with this. And now, uh, even when President Trump got sick, there was Israeli doctor Zelenko who came up with protocol and he was out of the hospital like within a week. Uh, and there is ivermectin case and other things. So my question is, uh, are there ways of treating it? Right. And, okay. and uh, yeah, David, uh, of, of course, Dr. Sarfati actually had a public dialogue, video dialogue with Dr. Zelenko. So we can uh, you can look for that online. Let me just add in Dr. Sarfati peer reviewed study in the American Journal of Therapeutics review of the emerging evidence demonstrating the efficacy of ivermectin in the prophylaxis and treatment of COVID-19 mm-hmm. shows data from many countries that the implementation of ivermectin in the treatment schedule for patients sick with COVID reduced the mortality by significant percentages. So putting vaccines aside, in other words, not, not, not negating your view on that. What about these cures? Others say, hey, it's proven. Dr. Zelenko said that with his treatment, we could have saved uh, five out of every six deaths in America. So a half million out of 600,000. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, okay, I think Dr. Zelenko's study was was uh, very few. I mean, people think, oh, the, the vaccine's experimental with 70,000 in the trials, and yet we should take Dr. Zelenko's trial of 143 people, uh, and that's proof. I think there's a bit of a double standard there. And other studies seem to show very little, uh, either no evidence, or in fact that um, a combination of hydroxy plus azithromycin can actually be harmful. So the if you look at all the studies that have been, that have been uh, published, um, these things are not as helpful as people might think they are. Because um, these things also have side effects, these drugs. These uh, drugs, by the way, were also tested on the, the same fetal lines that people are complaining about with these um, RNA vaccines. So uh, go figure. Uh, aren't, there, aren't there other studies, though, that have been done? In other words, not just Dr. Zelenko's uh, trial sample, but other studies that have been done around the world that would confirm mm-hmm. his views? But there are other studies that have actually uh, that show that there isn't any effect. You see, but I think it's in the dialogue, I uh, took his 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 uh, study at face value. Said, well, let's assume you're right about uh, the, the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine, and let's assume that you're right about how dangerous this virus is. It's simple mathematics to show that the vaccine is still many times safer than catching the disease and treating with either hydroxy or uh, ivermectin, because one study on ivermectin said it might reduce the mortality to 1.4%. Okay, the vaccine's mortality is about 0.005%. So even the best-case scenario for these drugs show they're nowhere near as safe as actually preventing the disease in the first place. All right. Um, yeah, t- tell you what, tell you what, let's let's just jump in with, uh, with another call in the limited time we have. And sure. I, I cannot volunteer you to do this, all right? I just want to let you know 
that okay. probably in the days ahead, we're going to have a lot of discussion on YouTube and a lot of people are going to be weighing in against uh, your position. I will send you that link privately. What you do with it is your business. You've been very gracious to respond to people on Twitter, but it gets a lot heavier on YouTube. So I'm going to uh, let you know that's there. If you have okay. time to weigh in, great, because I, I know you don't want controversy, but there's no expectation of that. All right, let's go to okay, one one more caller. Uh, Andy in Trenton, New Jersey, what's your question for Dr. Sarfati? Yeah, I, I think the, the question, doctor, is the question of trust. Um, uh, the, you know, both sides can come up with anecdotes. For example, I can give you an anecdote that my, na my neighbor dropped dead after a vaccine um, and, and that, uh, that, that uh, my best friend um, and his father were both hospitalized after a vaccine, and of course the response is, is anecdotal. But it still remains the fact that there are scientists who disagree with you. There's a Nobel Prize winner who disagrees with you. There's, a, there's the inventor of the mRNA vaccine disagrees with you. There's a former chief alone. scientist oh, at okay. Pfizer. A former chief scientist at Pfizer disagrees with you. They all have concerns, serious concerns about the vaccine. But the thing is that would give your argument more credibility would be if you at least gave some of these counter-arguments credence instead of just dismissing them all like a propagandist. Because... Well, um, a little unfair, because if you read biology, creation.com... Well, let, 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 let me just finish. Thoroughly. Yeah, Jonathan, just, just hang on. Let, let Andy finish real quick, and then yeah, go ahead. You'll have time to respond. Yeah, go ahead. Let, let me finish. So it seems to me with all these questions that I have and concerns for my family, and the mm -hmm. stories I have about chronic fatigue syndrome being caused by vaccines, autism, which didn't exist 30, 40 years ago, being caused by vaccines, is an issue of trust, especially mm -hmm. when, when, when you have Johnson & Johnson baby powder turning out that that is very dangerous. And the uh, fact uh, remains that you have right, no, no data. You have, yeah, you have Andy, no data on the what, effect. Yeah, right, hang on. Just to be fair, I want you to get your, your concerns out, which you did eloquently in the time you had, and we've only got... Listen, two minutes. So, Dr. Sarfati, you get the last word in, and then folks continue the conversation on YouTube. Go ahead, sir. Well, okay. I mean, a lot of questions there, but again, you can, what, compared to what? I mean, that's what I'm, I'm saying. These people are saying these things about the vaccine, but okay, compare it to the virus with its uh, huge death toll, its huge call of long COVID, um, many people losing their lives because of, I've, I've known some people myself who are, who are only under 40 losing their lives because of this thing after uh, 20 plus days in the hospital. Okay, so, um, it, but the thing is, that's why we actually look at the data overall, not just single anecdotes. And as far as, far as trust is concerned, I mean, I'm not a leftist or a liberal, okay? Why would you not trust what I have to say? Um, in fact, President Trump recently told a large crowd in Alabama, get the vaccine. I did, is what he said, okay, to a large crowd. Um, so why not uh, trust the former president uh, um, to get the vaccine? And I've actually had the vaccine myself. So I practice what I preach. Do, do you think there's... In their 80s have yeah, the vaccine, yeah. Do you think there's any concern... As, I'm a polemicist, as are you, in terms of we're in controversy day and night. Is there any danger of responding as a polemicist rather than as a family doctor, and that might alienate some people? Well, okay, I mean, it depends on what we're... Uh, I've actually responded uh, non-polemically to people who are asking genuine questions. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes polemically, when people are 
saying things which are demonstrably untrue and actually hope and possibly misleading other people into not getting this very important um, uh, life-saving vaccine. But I've actually uh, turned quite a people, uh, quite a lot of uh, vaccine-hesitant people around into to having their kids vaccinated. And, and look, so I, I know what motivates you is love for God and love for people. You're, you're, that I'm convinced of, otherwise we wouldn't be talking. Hey, amazingly, we're, we're out of time. But oh, really? this, yeah, it's an hour and it's gone by like this. So listen, we can always do a part two. If, if you're up for it, I'm sure our callers and viewers will be up for it. But listen to this interview. Go back to the interview at the beginning of the year. Dig into the data and make informed decisions. These are life and death matters. Dr. Zarfati, thank you so much for joining us. Another program powered by the Truth Network. Another program powered by the Truth Network.